And the thing is, after all these years, I still look back with wonder. Hey there, Wonderlings. Angela Bowen here, the host of Looking Back on My Wonder Years, a Wonder Years podcast. How's everyone doing today? This is actually an early episode. Usually episodes either come out on Thursday or Friday, depending on, you know, my grocery schedule. But today, I just thought it's Wednesday, it's hump day, why not do a new episode today? But before I get started on this episode, I have, um... Oh, shout out and a new iTunes review to read. So as you know, if you're a regular podcast listener, that I do have a Facebook page for the Wonder Years podcast. It's Looking Back on My Wonder Years, a Wonder Years podcast. And a couple new likes. We have uh, Mike, and I'm going to mispronounce this name. I apologize. Mike. You know what? I'm just going to say Mike. And also Joe. So hi, Mike. Hi, Joe. Thank you for liking the Wonder Years podcast page. And I hope you're enjoying the show. Now I'm going to read this new iTunes review. This is from NorCal Joe. And it says... The title, A Wonder Years Podcast I Recommend. Hey, Quinn, I'm sorry that uh, you want to get in here, don't you? You want to get on your blanket? No? Because I'm using it? Sorry. (laughs) Quinn's uh, been laying underneath my desk where I have my laptop and all my podcasting stuff. And I have a blanket under there because I moved everything upstairs for um, the fall and winter. And I'll probably move back downstairs once, you know, the end of May, it starts getting really hot up here, even with the fans, and I can't stand it, so then I'll move everything downstairs. Well, I mean, Jeremy will help. He'll bring the chair down for me, because I don't want to fall down the stairs and break my neck while carrying that thing. But anyway, let me read this beautiful iTunes review. A Wonder Years podcast I recommend. This is a great, insightful podcast about my all-time favorite show ever, The Wonder Years. Literally grew up with the show. Kevin was 12 and I was 12 back in 1988. I was 6 at the time when this show aired. Excuse me. And there were tropes that actually helped me at times in my life. This is amazing, guys. This show has touched so many individuals. Even when the show was airing, even when it was in syndication and reruns, when it, you know, I think it was on Netflix for a good two to three years before they took it off. It's been almost a year now since they took the Wonder Years off of Netflix. But luckily, um, Walmart, I believe, does have the box set, seasons one through six, for $49.99 compared to... Amazon's $71.99, so that's a real deal right there. But um, thank you so much for this beautiful iTunes review. You know, I, I look every once in a while, and just to see a new review on there just melts my heart and makes me so happy and proud of what I'm doing that I can bring the Wonder Years to you guys and... That you, you know, you enjoy listening to it. 
So if any of you out there also want to leave a review, if you love the show, it's that simple. Just go to iTunes, rate and review. Also, if you want to hang out on the Facebook page, you can do that too, or Instagram, LBOM Wonder Years Podcast, or even send me an email, LBOM Wonder Years Podcast at gmail.com. Guys, I would love to hear from you. Yes, I know that the podcast season six is wrapping up at the end of December, and I also have planned to do one more Fred Savage movie. It is a Christmas movie. It's called Christmas on Division Street. So I'm looking forward to doing that. I'll probably start recording that in November. So. And I also will be, like I did with the Labor Day and the Back to School Wonder Years episode, I will be re-releasing the Thanksgiving episode from Season 4 and also the three Christmas episodes and the New Year's Eve episode. I'm going to re-release all of them so that way you don't kind of, you know, scroll through the feed, the archive, looking for them. So... Gosh, oh my goodness, we are heading into October. This is the last official week of September. It's happening, guys, and you know, once we hit Halloween, boom, boom, boom. Thanksgiving, Christmas will be in 2019. Growing Pains will be here. I'll be covering that show. Uh, That show I am not doing every single episode. I'm going to do... There's some that I, I just... I think I'll just skip over and come back to later on or let you guys vote. But I do have a set list. We'll just kind of, you know, take it as it comes. So, um, Tea Time with Mr. Belvedere. Next week I'm going to be doing season four of Mr. Belvedere centered episode called Moonlighting where you get to see the little girl from Small Wonder, not Vicky the Robot, not Tiffany, who played Vicky. You get to see Harriet, the redheaded girl who is in love with Jamie and her mother, Edie McClurg. Oh, my God. I remember her mother would be like, no, 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 no. That's what I remember her. Oh, my goodness. I don't know. <coughs> Excuse me. I don't know if I would cover that show. But uh, I think it's on YouTube right now. But anyway, enough about Small Wonder and Mr. Belvedere and Growing Pains. Today we are talking about a political episode. Guys, I'm not going to get political on here because you know how I feel about politics. I have no comment, no comment, no comment on them. So don't ask me about current politics. And I figure that's my choice and my right if I just don't want to have anything or have an opinion, then I'm not going to have one. Alright, so Season 6, Episode 5. Episode uh, 4 of Season 6, Sex and Economics. You can find that one in the archive. I did that under Kevin's Jobs. Remember, uh, Cost of Living, the Hardware Store, um, Sex and Economics, and Kevin Delivers. That's all right around that area. So, Politics as Usual, which aired on October 21st, 1992. This was almost two months after I turned 10. But anyway, Kevin gets jealous when Winnie starts devoting her time to a campaign to elect George McGovern. Excuse me. 
and seems smitten with a charismatic older guy who is heading the campaign. This episode, wow, this episode's got a 7.9 out of 10 rating out of 119. I gotta watch that Goosebumps movie I just bought from, um, I bought it for like four bucks at um, Walmart and I see there's a new one. Gummy bears. Are those evil too? Um, sorry guys, getting distracted. Because I'm reading IMDb and they have these pop-up ads for upcoming films. This episode was directed by Brian Gordon. I want to see if he directed anything else for The Wonder Years. Let's see. Diddy, diddy, diddy. Boo, boo, boo. Oh, he directed another episode. Uh, Dinner Out. That was a good one. That was where, um... Jack had his 43rd birthday, and Karen was there with Michael, and it was one of the most uncomfortable dinners you will ever have to sit through. Writers Neil Marlins, Carol Black were the creators, and this episode was written by Craig Hoffman. Not Craig Hopkins, the asshole kid from season three and four, but... Good thing that guy didn't last. I did not like him. Oh, he wrote episodes for Brotherly Love. Cool. Um, he wrote six episodes. Craig Hoffman. The Hardware Store. Road Test. Broken Hearts and Burgers. Let's see. Politics as usual. Let Nothing You Dismay. That is the season six Christmas episode. And Eclipse, which I haven't gotten to yet. All right, as for connections, we have a reference. Mission Impossible, mentioned by Jeff. Jeff, who is played by Giovanni Ravisi. Here's some trivia. In the 1972 election, it is revealed that Jack Arnold is a Nixon supporter. It is also implied that Norma is a Democrat. For music for this episode, we have Happy Days Are Here Again by Milton Ager. I probably mispronounced his name, but oh well. Honestly, I would rather mispronounce the name of a musician than those of my podcast listeners. You guys, you know I love you. I love you very much. And Quinn, my cat, is just hanging out beside my chair because I'm kind of blocking her entrance underneath the desk, but oh well. Alright, I want to get to the booklet, because there is some interesting, uh, a little segment here. Okay, so, I want to read the description here in the DVD booklet. <clears throat> Excuse me. Winnie is volunteering at the Tri-County Citizens for McGovern office, and Kevin is jealous of the handsome campaign manager there. Kevin, you really don't have anything to worry about. I've seen this guy, he's not that good looking. Um, well, wait a minute. Wait a minute! Something's not right here! What's right? Let me... Guys, something's wrong, and I don't like it. Where is it? Where's that thing? Okay, here we go. Okay. One of these is wrong. Happy Days Are Here Again by I, on IMDb, on the page for this episode, says, Music by Milton Ager, A-G-E-R. Well, guess what? In the booklet, it says, Happy Days Are Here Again, featured song by Leo Reisman and his orchestra. Well, which is it? Is it both of them? I think it's the one in the booklet. 
All right. Here's a quote from Kevin here in the booklet. Every four years, our country is gripped by a case of temporary insanity. We call it a presidential election. Kevin Arnold. Current events. Winnie Cooper was just one of thousands of teens who campaigned tirelessly for Senator George McGovern's 1972 presidential bid. But the army of youths... I can't talk. But the army of youths who stuffed envelopes and leafleted at supermarkets failed to topple the incumbent President Richard Nixon, who won by a landslide. Still, McGovern's promise to end the war in Vietnam and rid Washington of backroom dealing inspired a generation to believe that they could someday seize the reins of power and steer the country in a different direction. Two such youths were Hillary Rodham Clinton and Hillary Rodham, because she wasn't a Clinton yet, and Bill Clinton. Okay, gotcha. It's just, <laughs> you hear it so much as it's Hillary Rodham Clinton that it just rolls off the tongue because you're so used to hearing it that way. Who left Yale Law School to work on McGovern's campaign. Barack Obama was 11 years old in 1972, and 36 years later, he too would inspire young Americans, as when he was inspired in the 70s with the belief that they could make a difference. Well, you know, I mean, if that inspires you to make a difference, that's great, just to feel that you could have a say or some power in how things, and, and how things could work, and how things could change. That, this got to be a great feeling. Now, the quote that I got here, um, I usually go to um, wiki quotes, I think it is, that has all the quotes for all the seasons and all the episodes of The Wonder Years. That's what I've been getting these from. Um, this one does kind of play into the one I read from the booklet, but it, there's more to it. So, adult Kevin narrator. Every four years, our country is gripped by a case of temporary insanity. We call it the presidential election. It's democracy defined. A chance for politicians who know better to make promises they can't keep. And come November, it's a chance for us to believe... It's a chance for us to believe them. Sorry, guys. <clears throat> so, I remember, um, was it, was it 1992? I think it was, yeah, um, with, it was Clinton, wasn't it, and, um, Bill, uh, Bill Clinton and Bush, I think, that were... Um, because my class had current events, and I remember the one time it was around the election that every single person in my class, including myself, brought in a newspaper clipping of the headline of, you know, the election and Clinton. I think even after he won, that was, we all, like, clipped that and brought that in. I remember probably thinking, like, oh, I'm gonna be different because I brought that. No, everybody thought to bring in that because that was the biggest thing at the time. 
I mean, I, of course, couldn't vote. You know, I was only 10, so I really didn't. And also, I mean, my family did not really talk about politics. If they did, it was never around me. So I never really had too big of an interest in it. So we open up the episode, and it looks like we're getting speeches from both Richard Nixon and uh, McGovern here. And I didn't even know what McGovern even looked like. I'm like, he's older than what I would have thought. I mean, I know you gotta be at least, what, is it 35 to be able to be president? I am a lot more or less interested in my prestige than I am in the future of this country. We're trying to give Richard Nixon the retirement he so readily Every four years, our country is gripped by a case of temporary insanity. We call it a presidential election. It's democracy defined. A chance for politicians who know better to make promises they can't keep. And come November, it's a chance for us to believe them. You have a man who has devoted his lifetime to an exemplary and spotless record of selfless service to the American people. The 1972 campaign was no exception. That fall was a time of excitement, reflection, a time of passion, a time to examine the issues. Kevin, pay attention. Sorry. Can't take him anywhere. So that you young people can continue to enjoy the benefits of living in the greatest country on earth. But above all, it was a time of debate. Endless debate. Thank you. Thank you, Mr. Leachy. And now, with an opposing viewpoint, the McKinley Student Council is pleased to welcome Mr. Michael Detweiler. Head of the Tri-County Citizens from a Government Office, Mr. Detweiler. Great. Face it, for those of us who hadn't turned 18 yet, there was only one way to describe this charade. Politics is a lot of crap. <coughs> Anyone who stands up here talking to you about your future using words like moral values and law and order is just shoveling that crap. I'm afraid I have to take issue with that statement. Like I said. <laughs> and you guys can't just sit here and listen to it because it's your generation that they're shoveling it on. It's you guys that will inherit the planet they've polluted. It's you guys that are going to get sent home in body bags from their war. But it's also you guys that can help elect Senator McGovern because he's the one guy I know who will cut the crap. Maybe it was because he spoke about issues that involved us. Or maybe it was just the first time someone used the word crap in McKinley Auditorium. In any event. There was something about that speech that grabbed us. It got us thinking. Wondering. It made us see politics in a way that we couldn't help but respect. All right, so it looks like we got a representative for Nixon and also one for McGovern there in the auditorium speaking to uh, McKinley High students. The kids don't care. 
Kevin doesn't, especially doesn't care is, I don't know what, Jeff's sitting next to Kevin, I don't know what, what, does he have something in his wallet he's showing Kevin, or whatever it is, but Winnie, of course, is kind of elbowing Kevin, like, Kevin, can you please pay attention, and I love Jeff's little comment, like, ugh, can't take him anywhere, <laughs> Jeff is so cool, he is, like, one of Kevin's coolest friends. I mean, Paul is up there, you know, Paul is at the top, you know, you can't even, Jeff, I'm sorry, but you can't skim the top of Paul. I mean, you're just below Paul. But, uh, yeah. So both representatives kind of give their speech, uh, well, the guy for Nixon does, and the kids are this, they're falling asleep, you got a couple making out in the in the seats and stuff like that. At first, I'm like, that's not Paul. No, Paul is, Paul is student body president. Finally. Remember how, you know what? Remember, um, the candidate episode from season four where Paul urged Kevin to, like, hey, you should run against Becky Slater. I'd do it myself, but I know I'll lose. Paul actually, at the very end when they show the results, Paul's actually got quite a few more than Kevin. And I'm just thinking, okay, so that is kind of what lit that fire under Paul to allow him to later actually run and become student body president. So whether or not he ran unopposed, I have no idea. But good for Paul. You know, that'll look great on a college application, I bet. I mean, this is high school. This isn't junior high. So everything you do as far as clubs, student body president, stuff like that will help pad that college resume or college application. So the kids are all taken aback as soon as the representative for McGovern comes up to speak. He's saying things like crap. He's saying, you know, this guy is going to be helping you guys out and everything. This is your world. And also, stuff he's saying stuff about how McGovern, if elected, will end the war in Vietnam. And of course, this gets Winnie's attention because you know that Vietnam holds, a, you know, her brother was killed in Vietnam. And I'm like, as soon as the guy mentions it'll be you guys coming home in body bags fighting for their war... Of course, that gets Winnie's attention. It's like, oh, buddy, oh, that is a sore spot. That hits in the heart. That Her brother died in Vietnam. I mean, yeah, he doesn't know that, but still, it's like, ah. But this is, Winnie's ears are perked up. She's like, okay, end the war in Vietnam. Yes, please. Sign me up. I'll do whatever it takes to be able, and, and this guy, He's for the kids. He's speaking their lingo. He's saying, crap this, and taking, don't, you don't have to take people's, you know, crap, and don't elect Nixon, and this and that. And he's really, he's got these kids, these kids are fired up. Their applause at the end of his speech are just roaring. The auditorium is filled with the sound of kids clapping. They really like what he has to say, especially the girls, as Kevin and Jeff are kind of walking in the hall to their lockers after the speech. You know, Kevin's even saying this guy's talking politics in a way that, you know, the kids can respect that and stuff like that. He's he's saying the words that these kids are just gobbling up. And, of course, Jeff kind of looks over at the guy and 
the girls are all kind of, I wouldn't say, are they fawning over him? Maybe just, maybe, like, f flies to uh, honey or molasses or something like that. I'm just hoping that this guy really isn't, like, all talk. Like, he's saying all this stuff, you know, he's having it, you know, because... In that booklet that I read, it said like thousands all over the, you know, of teenagers all over the place were helping the campaign. But Kevin said, I wasn't 18 yet, so as in you have to be 18, right, to be able to, is that right? You have to be 18 to help with the, the campaign? I don't, because he's a Junior? Yeah, he would he would be a junior in season six. Cause he started high school as a sophomore. So but you're not eighteen when you're a junior. You're eighteen when you're a senior. Or right? I mean I was I turned eighteen, I started my senior year of high school, but whatever. I don't know. I'll be right back, guys. I'm gonna get a refill on my drink and maybe some snacks because I'm getting hungry. I I just had lunch like 20 plus minutes ago, but I'm kind of hungry. I'll be right back. So Jeff's is all like, oh, I bet that guy gets chicks all the time, just hovering, you know, hovering over him as he and Kevin look on, see about five or six girls kind of just hanging on uh, this guy's every word, which we learn when he introduces himself to Kevin because Kevin sees Winnie, you know, just swallowing up all the words that this guy is saying. And Kevin heads over there, and the guy introduces himself as Mike, Mike Detweiler, which Detweiler, of course, makes me think of the Brady Bunch movie with the annoying neighbor who kept trying to um, get the Bradys to move out of their house. That movie came out in 95. I saw it in the theater. Anyway, um, so... The guy, uh, Mike, is talking to Winnie, and as Kevin was walking over there, he says, do you, 
not believe in the cause or I think that this is a great way to help things as you heard in the clip and Winnie's like she thinks it's a great idea and she'd be more than glad to help uh Mike actually pulls Kevin into it like hey do you think you might you know even though you're not old enough to vote yet but that doesn't mean that you can't help out with the campaign you know stuffing envelopes he says you know cold pizza warm you know pop and stuff like that so and Kevin of course in his mind he like sees right through this guy's act like I don't think it is an act. I think he just wants kids, you know, to help out. Because, you know, he can't stuff all those envelopes himself. <laughs> but Kevin just sees this guy as a threat. Like, oh, he's he's got Winnie, you know, his hooks into Winnie and everything like that with this cause for uh, McGovern running uh, for president and everything like that. And that's all Kevin sees. He, he can't get his... The green monster of jealousy is hanging over Kevin's shoulder and whispering in his ear, basically. And he's like, yeah, I'll think about it. We'll think about it. As in, it's like, I'm making the decision for my girlfriend whether or not I feel that she can do this because I don't want her hanging around you. You seem cool, but you also could be a wolf in sheep's clothing. So, Kevin just wants to kind of get away from the whole politics thing, but... Unfortunately, at dinner that night, you know, Dad's got the TV on, and they're all kind of watching, you know, the presidential um, debates and, and stuff like that going on. I usually do that a lot like when I was growing up. We would watch, you know, the television and in the summertime, I remember they did reruns of The Wonder Years, and my dad and I would, like, be trying to, like, crane our necks. My dad would be turned around to face the, to keep looking at the TV while he was eating, and I'd be kind of craning my neck to kind of, because we're in the kitchen, which is, you know, the living room. You got a, a wall there, so you really, you got to, like, crane your neck just to be able to, you know, watch the TV and everything. And then, of course, on Sunday nights, Sunday nights were um, Chef Boyardee Pizza, where that was the one day a week that Dad and I ate in the living room on the at the coffee table. So, but I'm going to play this clip as, you know, Kevin thought, oh, i got to get away from this whole politics thing. It's driving me nuts. And unfortunately, you can't get away from it. It's on the TV until the election in November. You're not gonna get away from it. And even after the election, it's still going to be going. It's about 150 billion on Vietnam alone. Unfortunately, in 1972, that was hard to do. People seem to breathe, sleep, and eat politics. My family. <coughs> My father, for example, weighed all the arguments, then summed it up in one word. You know, most of the kids I run into at the college are going to vote for McGovern. And I like his stand on women's rights. He really respects the new position that women are achieving in society. My mother, on the other hand, had a more personal view. Great. Any more potatoes, honey? I got 
So, butthead, who are you going to vote for? <laughs> then there was my brother, representing the great unwashed masses. What are you talking about? I'm not old enough to vote. Great, then I'll sell you mine for five bucks. Pass the gravy, Nimrod. And there we were. All in all, a kind of a cross-section of America. So as they're watching the television, Norma kind of brings up the fact, you know, she's in community college right now, so she's with a lot of kids that are more than half her age, and what they're saying about McGovern and him really for women's rights and for just how women are coming up in society, like it's not 1950s anymore, where the woman stays in the house and cooks and cleans and does all that stuff. Um, you know, because this is before the 80s. The 80s were really about women's empowerment and getting into the work workforce and all of that stuff. Um, so, of course, she's, you know, voicing, Norma's voicing her opinion. And really all Jack has to say, like, oh, that's great. Can you pass the potatoes? And the look that she kind of gives Jack is like, well, don't you have anything else to really kind of say on the matter here? She's, I mean, it's almost like she's wanting him to voice his own opinion so they can have a discussion about it. Or like, honey, how do you feel about what I'm talking about here? And when she really doesn't get much of a response, Kevin just hands off the potatoes like, oh, here you go, Dad. It's like, let's not start something here. Because we don't know where Jack's stand is yet on the political mound. We don't know yet. Because I read that, you know, the, the trivia, but he hasn't clearly said which side he's on. But it sounds kind of like he's more for Nixon. Otherwise, if he had been for McGovern, wouldn't he have spoken up? Um, Wayne, of course, is like, oh, butthead, who are you going to vote for? And Kevin just rolls his eyes and says, I'm not old enough to vote. It's like, Wayne, you know this. Why are you goading me? And Wayne's like, oh, well, I'll sell you my vote for five bucks. Like, no. Just no. You've... Vote for whoever you're voting for. So, later that evening after dinner, Kevin and Winnie are at the point. I think that's where they go to, you know, a lot of the car scenes seem to be at the make-out point. And you hear Kevin say, you did what? Like, he's really shocked. And Winnie's like, oh yeah, I signed us both up. And I'm sure he's like, well, I didn't want, I didn't ask you to do that. Who says I even want to do this? And I'm sure her argument's going to be like, Kevin, we need all the people we can get. But all of us interested. You did what? Well, all but one of us. I signed us up to be volunteers. You did? Did you really need this, Kevin? Who, McGovern? No, Mike Detweiler. <laughs> Excuses. Oh, Kevin, he needs us. And and Kevin at first is like, what, McGovern? And she's like, no, Mike, Mike Detweiler. 
I'm saying, no, she doesn't care about the government. It's all about helping out Mike. Here's what I gotta say about Winnie. Don't get me wrong. You guys, you know I love Winnie. She's a sweetheart, great character, but I think she is a smidge on the... Do I want to say gullible? Maybe not gullible is not the right word. But I think, honestly, she's a type of person that could be easily led astray. Like, if that Mike Dennison, I mean, <laughs> Detweiler, I don't know why I said Dennison. I think it's whatever. Oh, it's the book I'm reading, the Hocus Pocus book right now Um, to psych myself up to watch the movie. Um, if that man had started a cult, I bet anything he would be able to lure Winnie away as one of his followers because she is that easy to be easily influenced, convinced, stuff like that. But Kevin's not happy about it. You know, he doesn't want to be dragged along to this. I'm sure he would have liked to have had, uh, his permission given before she just said, oh, um, me and my boyfriend will be here. So I'm going to play this clip as they're heading downtown to, um, the campaign office. Well, here we are. Great. And so I agreed to throw my hat into the ring. Not that I really had a choice in the matter. Still, I kept telling myself this might not be so bad. In fact, I might actually learn something here. After all, this was my chance to rub noses with people who cared. People like, say... Hey, Winnie! Hey, Mike! Hey, Kevin. Mike! He's fine. They came in from the printer. I'll, uh, I'll put him in the back store. Thanks, babe. <laughs> Peggy Kimball, she's, uh, been my right hand in this campaign. So, Kevin, I'm glad you decided to join us. Yeah, well, I just thought I... You're doing it for Winnie, right? <laughs> hey, whatever brings you in, that's cool. Everybody's got their reasons. That guy's here because he wants pot legalized. He doesn't give a damn about cuts in Medicare, which is why she's here. And neither of them could care less about subsidized housing, which is why she's here. Winnie's here because she lost her brother. You're here because of Winnie. The only thing that really counts is that together, we're all doing everything we can to elect the one person that cares about all these things. See what I mean? Oh. And with that, there was nothing more to say except... So, when Kevin and Winnie kind of enter, it's a flurry of motion. Everyone's running around. Hey, a lot of adults college-age people, I don't really see too many high schoolers there, except for Kevin and Winnie. Kevin's really, he's got this look of, I don't know if I really want to be here, this is too much for me. You know, there's phones ringing, there's papers being rustled, just a lot of commotion, a lot of noise. So Mike comes out of the office, and there's a girl, he... He calls her babe, I think, because she comes up to him and says, I did this thing that you needed me to do. And she kind of, like, um, backhands the clipboard that he's holding a little bit, kind of jokingly. And Winnie kind of sees this, and I kind of wonder if she might have a little bit of a crush on Mike. 
Mike, I don't, you know, when she sees that little uh, banter between Mike and that girl, her face kind of falls just for a split second. Like, yeah, she might have had a little guy crush. A little crush. Older man crush. Well, not older, like Richard Gere older. But, um, because <clears throat> how old is Mike? Mike's gotta be in his mid to late 20s. He looks it. He does not look college age. So Mike kind of explains to them why some people are there. One guy is there because he wants to have pot legalized. Oh, Mike says uh, the girl's name is Peggy Kimball, who's been like her his right-hand girl. That's just kind of... She's the person that's going and doing everything. Like, he says, get this, do this, send this out. She's on it. I like how, um, when Mike looks at Kevin, like, oh, Kevin, it's great that you came down. You're doing it for, uh, for Winnie, right? And Kevin kind of looks way sheepishly. And Mike doesn't care. He's like, hey, that's cool, man. Whatever brings you down, the more help we got, the great, greater this is going to be. And this is where he kind of explains why people, like, what their reasons are for wanting to help out. So he says, the one guy that's kind of got the hippie afro thing going on, wants pot legalized. He doesn't care about uh, cuts in Medicare, which we see a woman probably close to senior citizen age who probably does. You know, that's why she's there. And he says that neither... That the pot guy or the Medicare lady could give a crap about subsidized housing, which is why this one lady who's kind of dressed like a hippie, she's got one of those, uh, her hair pulled back in um, a bandana. She's got these really long um, earrings. They're really cool looking. And, you know, that woman subsidized housing, She this woman may be a mother and she may need something like that for her and her children. And Mike says how, well, Winnie's here because she lost a brother. And, of course, you know, you're here to support Winnie. Everybody is here for something that McGovern is promising to do if elected for president. So the next thing we see is Kevin and Winnie. They're outside. I think it's like a supermarket, and they're handing out flyers like, hey, vote for McGovern. So they're kind of, they're doing that kind of work, just getting pamphlets, handing them out to people, getting people more, you know, talking about the causes of what McGovern believes in, and if you vote for him, he'll be doing this and that, and oh, do you care about this? Well, he'll be doing this too. Because, I mean, okay, so Nixon is going up for re-election, so he'd been president for four years. I mean, yes, we do learn that Nixon was re-elected, so clearly whatever he was doing at the time people are fine with because he's reelected. I mean, if people didn't like what he'd been doing in four years, well, then you vote. You know, if you want, vote for another person. That's how, you know, it works. I guess. I don't know. Leaflets. One thing seemed clear. Look, Winnie, this is a total waste of time. 
not gonna stand out here and make a fool of myself. No one's paying any attention. No one cares. Well, then we have to make them care. Right. Vote for McGovern. girlfriend was fighting a losing battle here. Wait! This election may not seem important to you now, but what about your children? It's their generation that's going to have to deal with all this stuff if somebody has to start changing things now. Senator McGovern wants to stop the war. He wants to stop poverty. He wants to stop pollution. He cares about people. People like us. He needs your vote. I'll take one of those. So as you heard in the clip, things are not going well. For one thing, Winnie and Kevin are right there as soon as people are coming out of the grocery store, the door. They are on them, like, vote for McGovern, vote for... And people are just like, oh, I thought this was a coupon. Oh, no, 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 not me, no. Well, the thing is, Winnie, and I like this, well... Kevin gets frustrated. Like, we've been out here two hours. We're not doing anything. People really don't give a crap. They don't care. But I like what Winnie does next. She, well, she tells Kevin flat out, then we make them care. It's like, yes, Winnie, you're saying vote for McGovern. You're handing out the pamphlets. But she goes one step further. Like, well, then we make them care. Talk about some of the things that he will do. Or he promises that he'll do if he's elected. And she sees this woman with a kid. She's like, you may not care, but what about your kid there? This is going to be his generation. And the, these problems that we're facing now, this child will also be facing as they grow up in this world. So you tell me, do you want this for your kid? If you do, if you don't, if you... Want a better life for your kid? Basically, take this flyer. And she starts spouting all these things that McGovern can do. Stopping the war in Vietnam. And other things like that. And she's drawing, like, people are, she is, like, shouting all the things that McGovern is going to do. And people are, like, kind of coming over to her. And it's like, yes, that is what you got to do. You can't just say vote for so-and-so and not, like, you know, spew off some of the, the things that he's, you know, help people to understand. Let them know why you should do this because of this. Or, oh, I see you um walk with a cane. You know, you could, um, you know, he's going to help with Medicare and this and that. And just, people don't, you just not giving the facts. You're not going to help people make the right decision. So... This is amazing and great. I am so proud of Winnie for believing in something and having such passion and what she believes. When she says to Kevin that we make them care, uh, just, guys, I love that Winnie has it. She lost a brother in Vietnam, so this is very personal to her. The fact that the war in Vietnam that could end if he, McGovern, is elected, yeah, She's going to do whatever it takes. So we get back to the um, campaign office and Mike is just, he's like, I'm so proud of you, Winnie. You just, you did so amazing today. So she's probably just relaying everything that, you know, happened, how great it was. Like, it was a little crappy the first two hours, but after that, I really got into it. And people started listening to me as I talked about McGovern and what he could do for our country. <laughs> I'm really proud of you. 
Well, I just said what you told us. Then again, you had to wonder how Joan of Arc's boyfriend felt about it. You're a good campaigner, Winnie Cooper. You're a natural. Well, Kevin helps too. Oh, sure. Good job, Kev. Yeah, keep the change. Keep up the good work, Winnie. Okay, let's get moving. Not that I begrudged her her moment of glory. You know what? Winnie, I'm really proud of you, too. Huh? Okay, enough was enough. So, <laughs> wanna go out and get a burger or something? Um, sure, I just have to go out to like something about tomorrow. something about this campaign. Maybe the names on the ballots were Nixon and McGovern. But what we had here was a three-man race. So, okay, um, seeing this through Kevin's eyes, I, er, I'm kind of getting a little concerned myself. Like, maybe Kevin isn't completely wrong in that maybe Mike is seeing Winnie as more than just a campaign helper. Because... Winnie's like, oh, I just told, did what you said. And he's like, I'm so happy you're here and that you're working so hard. You're doing so great. And then Winnie's like, oh, well, Kevin helped too. And Mike just kind of glances at Kevin like, oh, great, Kev. You did. Aw that's awesome, buddy. And then he goes back to, to talking to Winnie. And then, you know, Mike leaves. Kevin is like, oh, you know, I'm, uh, I'm proud of you too. And Winnie just is lost in the land of Mike because she's like, oh, what? And he's like, uh, nothing. Look, um, why don't we go get some burgers, celebrate? And she's like, oh, well, I just have to uh, talk to Mike about something about tomorrow. So she goes over with a sheet of paper and she's giggling and Mike's got his hand on her shoulder and it's like, you gotta kind of wonder, when he is, what, 16, 17 now? So, this is very inappropriate. Like, yeah, I, at first I thought, you know, it's just a, you know, guy, he wants kids to help out for his campaign. But is there something more, like, maybe the passion that Winnie has to help out this campaign, he sees that light in her eyes and is immediately, like, wanting to... I, I don't know. He just wants to either he wants to take advantage of her by using this campaign as a way to lure her in. I don't know. But now we get another speech from Nixon. Nixon. Sorry. The immoral thing I could think of to give amnesty to draft doctors so he got to set a deadline for ending this war. As the campaign moved into its final week, tensions began to rise. There was a lot at stake here. The future, the country... <laughs> Mr. Politico, <laughs> Mr. Snake Mindy, 
It was clear I was in the race of my life here. My opponent was ahead, and I had to do something to close that gap. Here we go. You know, Winnie, we've been working here nonstop for the last three weeks. You know, why don't we take off early tonight and do something? There's a lot of stuff going on. Yeah, I know, but maybe we can just spend some time together. Just you and me. Maybe you're right. Great. Winnie! Got a second? Yeah, what's up? Listen, uh, do you stay a little late this evening? Uh, well, actually, uh, we're kind of busy tonight. Oh, sure. I understand. <laughs> Take that, buddy. It's just that we're, we're having a meeting of a core group tonight, and with all the work you've been doing, I, I, I thought you really should be part of it. Yeah, well, that's great, but like I said. What do you say, Winnie? Well, if you really need me... Of course I need you. You're my right-hand guy. Okay. Couldn't believe it. Okay. That's it? What about our date? I'm sorry, Kevin, but there are only four more days until the election, and you know how important this is to me. I'm sure you understand. What, was she joking? You bet I understood. Not that I'd ever actually come out and say it. You know, Winnie, that guy's almost three times your age. Who? Who? Mike, that's... You know the guy you've been practically hanging all over? What? Oh, come on, Winnie. Figure it out. Why do you think he wants you to stay late tonight? It's a campaign meeting. Yeah, and I'll give you one guess as to what he's campaigning for. I don't believe you, Kevin. The future of our country is at stake, and all you care about is your stupid ego? Now, keep in mind, I was half-crazed with jealousy. So I said something I'd regret the rest of my life. So bad about President Nixon, anyway. Oh, Kevin. What the hell, buddy? You don't say that shit. Kevin, you sound like an idiot. Yes, you do. I may be an idiot, but at least I'm not blind. I'm out of here. And with that, I quit politics. For good. Once and for all. Forever. So, now we're down to the final week of the presidential elections. I got four days left. And Mike's just giving a speech like, hey, you guys have been doing great, but we really need to hit it hard with everything we have to make sure that McGovern is elected. And also, Kevin is kind of like, hey, we've been at this now for three weeks. I'm surprised that Kevin even put up with, you know, going there and supporting Winnie for a week. I'm you know, three weeks? Wow, Kevin, I gotta hand it to you, buddy. I mean, well, just so you can be near, uh, I think he's also scoping out Mike and making sure he keeps his paws off Winnie. Um, but he's like, hey, why don't we knock off tonight? We've been doing this for three weeks. It's, you know, the election's almost here. Let's go on a, on a date, get some burgers. And Winnie's like, oh, well, I really, we sh I shouldn't, I should be here. And she's like, oh, well, I guess maybe you're right. But then, right away, Mike is like, hey, Winnie, we're having, like, a little committee powwow tonight. I really could use you. And Kevin slings his arm around Winnie, and he is directing everything at Mike. Like, hey, no, we're going to go out. Sorry, I wish we could be there, but we can't. And Mike isn't even looking at Kevin. He's looking directly at Winnie. As in... I could really use you there tonight, Winnie. I could use your support. And 
Winnie is finally like, okay, well, if you really need me, then yes, I'll be there. So Kevin, of course, is pissed off. He's like, he starts, you know, verbally attacking her, like, this guy is three years old, or three times your age, this is really gross, and this and that, and the one thing he says that he later says, you know, he regretted, and he said that in front of a room full of McGovern supporters, what's so bad about Nixon and everything, you could hear a pin drop in that room, Phone stopped ringing. People look straight at Kevin. Kevin doesn't care. He's like, I'm done here. Sets his papers down and leaves. And because when he even says, Kevin, you're being an idiot right now. Because, of course, the green monster of jealousy is whispering in Kevin's ear, putting these things in his head. And being a teenage guy, he's got no filter. So he's just going to spew whatever this green monster is going to tell him. So Kevin just walks out there like, I'm done. Done with politics. Done with everything. And that was probably the worst thing you could have said in a room full of McGovern. You don't go into a place and start talking about the enemy or the the other person that's running against the one person whose campaign you're working on. Sorry. It's definitely November because Kevin is wearing a gray sweatshirt. Which I wonder, doesn't he wear that in the last episode and uh, the sex and economics when he's uh, painting that uh, house for his uh, teacher? So Kevin and Jeff decide to scope out the, the campaign building in the dark to see this whole committee meeting. And I keep seeing, you know, in the committee, there are mostly 80% adults, you know, and 15 per, wait, 15% college students and then 5%. Winnie is the only one that looks like she's in high school. Until about four hours later. You mind if I ask what we're doing here? Yeah, I just want to see what's going on, okay? Fine. You know, I think I saw something like this on Mission Impossible. <laughs> Look at that. <laughs> what do you think they're doing in there? My imagination was running wild. I saw passionate kisses, steamy embraces, limbs entwining. Then, I saw the lights go out. I'm going in there. <laughs> That's great. <coughs> hey, could you bring me back a donut? Can it? It wasn't donuts I was after. It was Mike Detweiler. <laughs> Seemed obvious the guy intended to bring new meaning to the term backroom politics. Great. So, there was only one thing to do. Which is why that night, at approximately 22 minutes past 9... I did something destined to make headlines in years to come. I, Kevin Arnold, broke into McGovern headquarters. Sure, maybe Mike thought he could take advantage of Winnie's enthusiasm and naivete, twisted to satisfy his own sordid needs. But Mike hadn't counted on one thing. 
Mike hadn't counted on. Mike. Hold it. <laughs> or maybe he had. It's okay, guys. He's cool. What can I do for you, Kevin? Uh, I just came down here to, uh, I mean... Well, you're just in time. Kevin, I'd like you to meet Senator McGovern. Hello, Kevin. It's a pleasure to meet you, son. Kevin's been working for you, too, Senator. You know, Kevin, it's the dedication and conviction of young people like you that's gotten us through this campaign. <laughs> Jeff along on this little stakeout, and Jeff, that's when he mentions the whole Mission Impossible. You know, I've seen this, like, on an episode of Mission Impossible. You want to know what it reminds me of? Remember the show Cheaters? With, um, what the heck was it? Now I'm forgetting his name. Joey Greco, wasn't it? Yeah, well, he was one of the hosts anyway. But Kevin's kind of watching the campaign office. The lights are on. People are moving around. And all of a sudden, the lights go out. And Kevin is, you know, his mind is going wild with possibilities of what's going on. You know, Winnie's uh, naivete and everything and giving them new meaning to backdoor politics. So Kevin decides to break in. I don't know how he gets in there because we really don't see. He just gets in there. And... He goes to open the door, and all of a sudden, two men, um, the, um, Secret Service men are at the door, towering over Kevin. You're lucky they didn't draw guns. Well, wait, no, they wouldn't. Wouldn't they be servants? I don't know. Maybe not. I'm sorry. I'm wrong. Um, but, of course, Mike's like, hey, guys, it's cool. Kevin's with us. He's actually been working on the campaign. And McGovern is there. So we don't see the guy's face. We hear what sounds like a recorded speech. Just, hey, it's nice to meet you, Kevin, and blah, 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 as you heard in the clip and everything. And Kevin, I don't know, I think he's a little awestruck. Like, wow, this is the guy that is running for president. This guy could be president. So, um... And he sees Winnie, and Winnie's got a small smile on her face, like, you know. And Kevin just leaves, like, alright, well, I'm gonna take off then. I think this is the day of the voting election, is they got the TV turned on in the kitchen and everything. Everyone's getting dressed ready to head out to go vote. I think it was where Wayne is all like, Dad, who are you going to vote for? It's like, Wayne, that's not any of your business. You don't ask that question. Just like you don't ask women if they're married, if they're, you know, that was a thing when I was growing up. It's like, that's rude to ask if someone's, or if 
if they're married, or definitely you don't ask someone, as a little kid, it's like you don't ask people how much they make. I'm sure I asked one of my teachers that when I was in elementary school, and they're like, you don't ask that. It's a private thing. <clears throat> when he says the president isn't telling us the truth on this matter. Tuesday, November 7th, 1972. <laughs> While the entire nation prepared to elect the man who would lead it through the next four years, <clears throat> I was figuring out what riboflavin was. So, Dad, who are you going to vote for? Let me tell you something, Wayne. When I walk into that booth, I don't have to answer to anybody but myself. Neither will you. It's every American's right. Nixon, right? Let's get a move on. You don't play for school. Right, Mom. Yeah, so long, scrub. I'm off to elect the president. Just don't forget to pull the lever. <laughs> and so, while my family headed off to fulfill their God-given American civic duty... I stayed behind. Insult. I was bitter. I'd seen politics for what it was. A game played by the power-hungry few who thought nothing of using innocent people as their pawns. I felt disillusioned. Disenfranchised. Face it. I was way ahead of my time. Still that evening, alone in my room, I found myself wondering about Winnie and Mike, about what it really all meant. And here's an FM 105 election bulletin. Senator McGovern has scored a stunning upset in the state of Massachusetts. Early returns indicate that the senator has also carried the District of Columbia. The high concentration of young, female, and black voters in this area has given the senator this unexpected victory. And right at that moment, all out of nowhere, I got my answer. Driving down those streets, I saw the blue glow of the television sets in every window. And I began to understand some of what Winnie had been swept up in. Across town, across America, people were watching a new chapter of history unfold. And I had helped write that chapter. And now I wanted to share the thrill of victory. So yes, that was a long clip. We basically get to hear uh, Norma, Jack, and Wayne getting ready to go vote. They're all dressed up really, really nice. And after Wayne says, Dad, who are you going to vote for? Jack says, Wayne, when I get into that booth, the only person I have to answer to is myself. And they all leave. Norma says, Kevin, don't be late for school. And... Kevin, when he's driving past, he does see Winnie handing out flyers to, you know, or pamphlets, vote for McGovern. So is she getting an excuse from school for this? So we see after, uh, after school, or it's later in the evening, it looked like, because Kevin was driving past, seeing the blue lights of the TVs inside people's houses and everything like that. And he decides to stop to the campaign center. Like, this is election night, everyone's just waiting on the results. Usually it only took a day. I think eventually with this last campaign with uh, Trump and Clinton, I think I eventually just turned the TV off because it was going on well past midnight and they hadn't made a decision yet. I'm thinking, I'll just go to bed, find out who president is in the morning.
meaning of defeat. And the eastern, midwestern, and southern and there it was, black and white. In the time it had taken me to drive down there, Senator McGovern's victory had gone from landslide to mudslide. People, listen up. Okay, I just got off the phone with headquarters. The senator is about to officially concede. But even though we lost, I know the senator would like to thank each and every one of you for what, what we've accomplished here. We fought a good fight. We did some good. And you guys should be proud of yourselves for that. I know I am. Thank you. The funny thing is, at that moment, I knew I'd been wrong about the guy. I could almost understand what Winnie had seen in him. Mike, how could this happen? After all, this man had held her dreams in his hands, her values, her ideals. Hey, listen, it's nothing to kill yourself about. It's just politics. Besides, we knew the guy never had a chance. Anyway. What? Hey, let's get a drink. Take care, okay? Here, Kennedy may launch in sense before. Maybe we should give him a call. I guess many hearts were broken across America that night. But only one I really cared about. I'm sorry. I guess you think I was pretty stupid, huh? Somehow it didn't seem important anymore. Who was right, who was wrong. All that really seemed to matter was... You, uh, <coughs> want to go get a sandwich or something? <coughs> Thanks. After all, maybe in his own way, Mike was right. Politics, you live to fight another day. I'm sure, the 60s were gone, but sooner or later, there'd be other battles to fight. No question at all that we have pushed this country in the direction of peace. The thing is, that election forever changed the way my generation looked at politics. We discovered, no matter how painfully, that we could be part of the process, that we could believe. And even now, Twenty years later, despite all the evidence to the contrary. What a waste. <laughs> nah. Wait till next time. Then things will be different. I can remember that night. And still believe. So, when Kevin... <clears throat> Excuse me, guys. When Kevin goes into the campaign headquarters... Um... It's not really as noisy as before. No one's on the phone. No one's running around like a chicken with their head cut off. Um, it just seems really despondent and everyone seems down. Mike, of course, gets everyone's attention. Like, I hate to say this, but the senator has dropped out of the campaign or dropped out of the... He's, he's basically conceded he's done. And Winnie, of course, is... I would say almost shell-shocked at this. And she goes to Mike, like, Mike, how could this happen? And Mike's like, well, it's nothing to kill yourself over. Don't worry about it. These things happen. 
And he turns to the girl, Peggy, who I don't know if it's his girlfriend or just someone he hangs, you know, has sex with. I don't know. But he just turns to her, completely ignores Winnie, slings an arm around Peggy's shoulders and says, hey, want to get a drink? Yeah, I knew this guy wouldn't win. And it's like, Mike's, Winnie is seeing Mike for who he finally is. That guy changed his tone like there's no tomorrow. It's almost like you're upbeat and you're confident and everything. You feel like you're supporting a winner. But then as soon as the person, like, they drop out or whatever, you're like, oh, yeah, well, I knew that guy wasn't going to win anyway. And he even says something about, like, something about Kennedy in 74. Like, maybe we could try to, like, uh, start campaigning for him in a couple years. So he's completely left this whole uh, McGovern thing behind. He's like, basically, it's over. It's done. Moving on. Yeah. And when he goes up to Kevin and she's like, Gee, must be pretty dumb, huh? I'm pretty stupid. And he's like, no, no, of course not. You know, you, you fought the good fight. You lost. You, you did the best you could. And he's like, let's go get, you know, basically you want to get a burger? And the smile on Winnie's face, her, her face just lights up. She was so sad for a moment ago but now it's like yeah so they're walking out and of course kevin is um let me pull the quote up real quick on my phone i want to read it so i get it proper okay i want to read even though you heard it in the clip radio announcer with the heavily negro population of the district of columbia and the rock steady democrat stronghold of massachusetts senator mcgovern has an early start by campaigning those states narrator maybe it was jaded to think when he was idealistic that newscast spurred me to go, spurred me on to go to party headquarters where I could see the thrill of victory. So, well, okay, he must think that uh, McGovern's going to win. Because Kevin was, like, sitting in his room bouncing a uh, tennis ball against the wall, listening to the radio report. Okay, gotcha. So he thinks he's going to win. Kevin arrives at party headquarters to see a glum scene. That's in quotations. Narrator. Or... The agony of defeat. Scoreboard. McGovern equals two checks. Nixon equals 49 checks. Winnie. How could this be? How could this have happened? Mike. Winnie. We have to face reality. McGovern never stood a chance. Now it's the time to focus our efforts on the 1974 congressional elections. Narrator. I guess many hearts were broken across America that night. But only one I really cared about. But somehow, it didn't seem important anymore. Who was right? Who was wrong? All that really mattered, all that really seemed to matter was, after all, maybe in his own way, Mike was right. In politics, you live to fight another day. Sure, the 60s were gone, but sooner or later, there'd be other battles to fight. The thing is, that election forever changed the way my generation looked at politics. We discovered, no matter how painfully, that we could be a part of the process, that we could believe, and even now, 20 years later, because, you know, Kevin is speaking, you know, 20 years into the future, so 1992. Despite all the evidence to the contrary, I can remember that night and still believe. Because think about it, in four years, when they, you know, in 76, when they have to elect a new president, think about it, how old are Winnie going to be? Winnie and Kevin, they're going to be 
They'd be 21 by then. When they would be old enough to vote in the next election. Okay, so it said, I looked it up. It said that Nixon resigned in 74. So that was two years. Wait a minute. No. Okay, so he'd take office in 1973 in January. So then a year later, wasn't that, it was a whole Watergate scandal, right? But anyway, I looked up the 1976 election. The United States presidential election in 1976 was the 48th quadrennial <laughs> presidential election held on Tuesday, November 2nd, 1976. Democrat Jimmy Carter of Georgia defeated incumbent Republican President Gerald Ford from Michigan. Carter's win represented the lone Democratic victory in a presidential election held between 1968 and 92. Okay, okay, gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. All right. I just wanted to see who was the next uh, one up. All right, so the rating for this episode, the Flower Power episode rating. I'm going to rate this a 2 out of 5, guys. It wasn't the greatest episode, to be honest. The only two things I liked about it was Winnie's passionate empowering speech outside the grocery store when she said we have to make these people understand we got to make them care and everything like that and she was gathering a cloud a crowd of people were gathering around her like oh i'll take a flyer i'll take a flyer um and of course at the very end when kevin says hey this really stinks that this happened but let's get a burger let's hang out you know, just putting an arm around her shoulder, comforting her, just saying, hey, you know, sometimes these things just happen. We'll go on to the next thing. It'll be fine. You know, and I'm happy that she got to see Mike for who he really was. He's like someone, it's like you're campaigning a winner, but then when they come out a, a loser, then I guess, I don't know. Um, The three things I didn't really care for, um... I don't know. Mike's speech was the whole saying crap like three or four times. He's just saying it to hype the kids up and everything. And the way that he was talking over Kevin, like he wasn't even looking at Kevin when Kevin's like, oh, well, we, she and I have plans. He's looking directly at Winnie. Like he's just using Winnie as a tool. So that was the second thing I didn't care for. Um... And Kevin breaking in at the last moment, you know, like, oh, I'm going to spy on Winnie. I bet she's making out with Mike and blah, blah, blah. Mm, I didn't care for that. Um, As far as her wondering words of wisdom, just don't just be swayed by someone's talk and promises. You know, just vote for who you truly believe in. Don't try to get, you know, swept up in things. Make sure just make your own opinion and make your own right choice don't go based on what the majority says don't let people sway you and your decision <clears throat> either i mean if that guy had come up to me in a school is like hey i need you to help me with a companion i'm like you know what there are a lot of other people here who would probably be gladly to help you out but i won't be one of those people all right, so next week's episode, I'm looking forward to this one coming up more than I did. The politics as usual, I was like, I'm not really a big fan of that one. Which, uh, the next week's episode, season six, episode six, entitled White Lies, which aired on October 28th, 1992. 
When Kevin's parents go away on a trip, he decides to invite Winnie over for a night of studying. After he and Winnie ad inadvertently fall asleep on the couch, Kevin tries to impress the guys in the locker room by implying to them that they slept together. Um, this is gonna be a big thing where this is gonna cause, um, a hiccup in their relationship. I'm just letting you know. I mean, if you guys seen the show, you know what happens. This actually, oh my goodness, this has an 8.4 out of 10. That's awesome. Alright, so I'm gonna give a shout out to you Wonderling Podcast listeners. So, okay. We got Leesburg, Virginia, Mountain View, California, El Cerrito, California, Atlanta, Georgia, Harrisburg, Pennsylvania, Hillsdale, Michigan, Seattle, Washington, Pittsburgh, Kansas, Sivas, Turkey, Los Angeles, California, Chicago, Illinois, Muskegon, Michigan, San Jose, California, Sydney, Australia, Reno, Nevada, Oakville, Canada, Miami, Florida, Alameda, California, Dallas, Texas, Birmingham, Michigan, Green Bay, Wisconsin, Sacramento, California, Karachi, Pakistan, India, Clovely, Australia, Abu Dhabi, United Arab Emirates, um, Rio de Janeiro, Brazil, New York City, New York, Honolulu, Hawaii, Zephyrus, Florida, Terrace, Canada, Greensboro, North Carolina, Masanda, India, Ku, Australia, K-E-W, Key Biscayne, Florida, De Des Moines, Iowa, Jakarta, Indonesia, Republic of Korea, Wilcox, Arizona, Woonsocket, Rhode Island, Denver, Colorado, Rockford, Illinois, Queenstown, Maryland, Graysonville, Maryland, Brantford, Canada, Pensacola, New Jersey, Muldrow, Oklahoma, Wilmington, Delaware, Norcross, Georgia, and San Juan, Philippines. All right, guys, I hope you enjoyed this podcast episode. Um, I know I said about this episode, but it was interesting. It was interesting. Like it's, you know, I'm not big on politics. I really, I didn't have a lot to say. And I didn't exist yet in 1972. I wouldn't exist for at least another 10 years. So, that being said, like I said, I'm looking forward to next week's episode. Because I've seen that episode. And I know how that shit goes down. It's not good. Kevin, even with a look, you don't even have to say anything. But even with a look... People are going to assume stuff. And if you don't open your mouth to correct it, well, you're going to find yourself in hot water. And this is 1972. That kind of stuff of sleeping together and stuff, that shit gets around. I mean, it gets around a lot faster nowadays, but now it almost seems like common practice where kids are having sex. So it's not a huge deal that people aren't like, oh my gosh, you slept with so-and-so? No way! Oh my gosh! Like, no, no one cares. It's, but, all I'm going to say is this, and I'll continue. If you're going to have sex, I'm not, you know, saying it's, it's 
cool for kids to be having, you know, teenagers for having sex. But if you're going to, please, please, please use protection. Or if you're going to, think about it for a beat. As, you know, your first time, you're going to remember that for the rest of your life. So, just ask yourself that question. Can I wait? Alright, guys. That's enough preaching on me for, uh, about that. So, I'll try to keep the preaching light for, uh, white lies. So, alright. See you next week, Thursday or Friday. Bye-bye. <laughs>